Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 561, Nearly Free Kids Toys That Keep On Giving by Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com, and I'm Justin Mollick, the guy that reads blog posts to you every day, including weekends, and that is with permission from the authors. Today's post comes from Mr. Money Mustache, who has a lot of articles on personal finance, and you can hear a lot more of his being read to you on our other podcast, Optimal Finance Daily. Dan reads one from him every week or two, so definitely subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily if you haven't already, and if you wanna hear similar content to this. And this post is actually a pretty frequently asked question I see about kids' toys and minimalism. So let's hear the post as we optimize your life. Nearly Free Kids Toys That Keep On Giving by Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com. Although I talk quite a bit about things like frugality, investing, bicycling, cars, and the ridiculousness of our society, it's not actually what I think about for most of the day. Mrs. M and I still consider our main task to simply be child-raising, since it takes more time and energy than the rest of life's activities combined. Since I'm sure many of the readers with kids of their own would agree, I thought it'd be fun to share some thoughts on the most successful toys that we've ever stumbled across just in case you and your young kids haven't already discovered these things yourselves. In our household, finding engrossing activities for the little boy is a highly valuable thing, with no TV to turn on for automatic babysitting and a kid who likes a lot of attention, we appreciate the times he gets seriously hooked into some healthy independent play. We already covered the ultimate outdoor toy, nature, but there's still a lot of time spent inside the house that needs to be accounted for. After six years of observing his growth, certain toys and activities have shown above all others so far. Number one, a whiteboard and a pack of colorful markers. Man, oh man, has this ever been a successful gift. Several times a day, my son will get the urge to draw, then spend 15 minutes detailing some elaborate picture, usually involving futuristic cities, vehicles, other planets, or scenes from books we've recently read. Then he'll come to me and ask, Dada, do you wanna ask some questions about my drawing? There'll be an extended Q&A session, at which point I am instructed to take a picture of the picture so we can safely erase it and begin anew. Whiteboard drawing can also become a community event. At least once a day, he hosts a whiteboard war where we divide the board in half, draw our bases, and then have a drawing-based battle to the death, usually involving lasers. He always wins, except when battling other kids, in which case the outcomes are more controversial. Over recent years, I've amassed a network folder of thousands of digital pictures of whiteboard drawings, all with one $10 whiteboard and a few bulk packages of markers. The value delivered in fun, drawing and writing skill, and plain old family bonding is immeasurable. Number two, trio building blocks. These are like a larger and more versatile, in my opinion, version of Lego blocks, with a more positive clicking action and the addition of sticks which allow a sort of post and beam style of construction in addition to regular block stacking, Trio lets you build some seriously massive stuff. Our record is a model of the Burj Khalifa Tower standing just over 12 feet tall and reaching almost to the railing of the second floor balcony in my living room area. 
but unlike Lego, Trio is quite inexpensive. It comes in various packages at Target and other stores, the best value being the general block sets as opposed to smaller kits designed to make a specific vehicle. I will admit that our little dude is a bit of an extreme Trio consumer, having spent quite a bit of his own allowance to boost the size of the set, we might have $100 worth of stuff in total, but that still puts the excellent playtime he's had with it at less than a dollar per hour. If you factor in the intuitive knowledge of structural design that this type of play surely provides, it is a highly profitable activity to engage in. Number three, good old-fashioned board games, puzzles, and kits. These are a great way to entertain the whole family at once. And while the collection looks huge and cluttery, it's still reasonably practical because it combines a bunch of games we had from before becoming parents, hand-me-downs, and gifts. Board games are a good way to deflect the destructive power of generous grandparents. Instead of having them buy you things that are absolutely impractical like battery-powered plastic noisemakers, you can at least channel some of the generosity into things like games and books that are actually fun to play with for more than a few seconds. Monopoly has been an unexpectedly educational game. It forces your kid to learn to add the numbers on dice, move delicate game pieces, collect and manage money and make change, budget from limited funds, and even collect and upgrade rental properties and make trades with other players. The game of life, on the other hand, is a simple lesson in anti-mustachianism. Go to college, you're automatically $100,000 in debt. Now pay for a wedding, $25,000. Buy a house and a car on credit too. Everything is determined by the roll of the dice with no personal choice because that's how real life is, right? Blah. Number four, books. This is an obvious one, but I've really grown to love the cozy escape that reading provides. My mom read to all of her kids much more than what I later learned was normal. And it became such a cherished part of my childhood that I always wanted to carry on the tradition. When there's no TV to provide passive relaxation, books become all the more comforting. It's late in the day and everyone is tired, too tired to draw on the whiteboard, too tired to make stuff out of trio. So you kick back on the couch and your kid or kids curl up next to you and the book lets you float off in a fantasy land for an hour or two, blissful. Books are another good gift deflector. I would not normally buy my own fancy shelf full of kids' books since all the same ones are already available at the library. But family and friends send these books, so we read them while feeling thankful to the gift giver then eventually re-gift them to another kid or donate them to the library, sharing the fun even further. The re-gifting thing is quite practical when attending the birthday parties of other kids. No kid really wants a used Star Wars battery-powered toy since those things are usually expected to be given in new condition, but they do enjoy receiving a gift-wrapped box set of great books with the implicit recommendation of the friend who just finished listening to them as his parents read. Every kid has different tastes, and even those tastes change as a child gets older but the toys mentioned have proven to be so golden for so long that I just had to share them with you. You just listened to the post titled Nearly Free Kids Toys That Keep On Giving by Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com. Do note the word nearly free as board games can be pretty expensive actually and if you buy used you might find missing pieces so you have to be really careful but I do like the suggestion because you can play them over and over and get so many hours of entertainment out of it as a family. And if you don't overdo it and buy a ton of games, that is. I still love board games and only try to buy ones that I know I'll play multiple times. I also love the whiteboard idea. Mr. Money Mustache has a picture on the blog post of so many drawings his kid did on the whiteboard, which is a great idea actually, because if you take pictures of their drawings, 
then you're saving on the paper and paper clutter too. And you can use something like a digital picture frame to put them on display in your home. Plus, I loved whiteboards as a kid. I still do, I have one. So I would have loved one back then. And don't forget, you can hear more from Mr. Money Mustache, a lot more actually, on our spinoff podcast, Optimal Finance Daily. But Dan's gonna mention it in a second, so I'll leave it there for today. Thank you for listening through to the end. Have a great Saturday, and I'll be back tomorrow where your optimal life awaits. Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.